and welcome to Mediated Intimacies, a podcast where I talk with experts on how we create affection and intimacy with and through media and technology. I'm the host, Jolene Blom, and I'm happy to let you know that we've already reached the second episode with our guest of today, Agata, and I hope, really hope that I'm explaining or um, pronouncing this right, Vaskiewicz. Uh, you know what? You can do it later, Agata. I'm so sorry. I try, but in any case, welcome, Agata. Hi, Agata Vaskiewicz. That's my name. Thank you. It'll be easier. It's going to be easier like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, Agata is a doctoral candidate at the Marie Curie. And this is also the Skłodowska, thank you, University in Lublin, where they research where they research topics such as experimental and meta-referential video games uh, and queer studies. And they are working on an upcoming book about food and video games, uh, about which I am very uh, excited. And we'll talk about these topics um, a little bit more today. Um, Agata, could you please um, introduce yourself um, further? Yes, uh, thank you very much for that for that um, introduction. That's actually um, pretty, you know, accurate. Um, I like how you went with Marie Curie and Skłodowska. It's a <laughs> it's a very nice mix of of accents. Uh, yeah, I'm a fourth year um, um, doctoral candidate at Marie Curie Skłodowska University in Lublin in uh, Poland, and I hope to defend in half a year. So I'm at the last stages of my PhD writing, and my, P my dissertation is about uh, player character relationship in metagames. So what I'm doing there is, well, first of all, trying to um, coin a definition of metagames as a genre, because although this is something that is more and more popularly talked about in game studies, um, especially when I started to write that four years ago, um, metagames was, definitely was not a term that was used. And even though game scholars were already interested and, and writing about that, everyone was using a completely different terminology. So I thought that would be a nice thing to um, to pull that all together and and kind of explain that and how I understand metagames is basically games that are um, using various devices that are drawing attention to the medium. So rather than pretending that um, um, the medium is not existent and the complete immersion is possible, this would be the games that would show, no, this is a game and thus it has an interface, you're a player who is playing that, these are characters, this is fiction, and so on. So I'm using a lot of postmodern um, uh, literary and cinematic um, theories in that. And things that I'm focusing on are uh, unreliable narrator and breaking the fourth wall and interface games and stuff like that. And in that, I'm looking at how these devices are used to, um, well, either increase or decrease the distance between the character and the player. And yeah, and how that forms the relationship, basically. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really cool. Because about that relationship between the player and the character and the fourth wall, that is actually what we're um, going to discuss uh, today. Um, I read your uh, paper, and I will put the paper in the... Um, credits of the uh, of this podcast uh, later when the listeners are actually listening to it um, but let's start with the first with the first topic what is uh, according to you the fourth wall 
Oh, that's a you know big question. It's a very um, big question, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fourfold is like I said, one of those things that uh, definitely have many approaches to that to to the concept. With scholars disagreeing, even if it's possible, even if fourfold exists in in the medium in in digital games. Um, so in the classical definition in theater, because the the term originated in theater, the fourfold was this invisible between the um between the characters between the, the the play the actors and the audiences so basically the edge of the stage would um would be the line of the of the fourth wall and this is the um device that that um, allows audiences to look into the fictional world um suspend their disbelief and and just enjoy it as in, in this in this arrangement that yes we are we are audience we are here and these are actors who are playing but we're also believing this to be um this to be a f- fiction and we're you know engaged in that and then with the um cinema and film and basically you know, the screen that technologies that that uh, appeared uh kind of the screen became the fourth wall and then in digital games it became even more complicated because well of the interactivity and you know, of the player who can walk around and the ability for the 3d games it's generally even more complex because of the ability to kind of peek behind the fourth wall um so yeah so some would say that th- there isn't no four four or the, the four four cannot be bri- broken because um because yeah because players always inside of the fiction and then then we're talking about or we can talk about breaking the fourth wall right so because yeah. when i when i think about breaking the fourth wall i think about um cinema most of all film where suddenly the character looks into the camera and addresses or acknowledges that either the world that they are in is not real or they address uh the watcher but that's not exactly the case in games right Again, depends on the definition, but yes, uh, the the thing is that um, yes, this is what what you're saying is the the most probably common association that everyone will have. So thinking about you know Deadpool who looks into the into the camera all the time and just comments, why are you sitting in the in the theater leaf? There's nothing here for you anymore. The film is over. Um, but in yeah, in digital games, the problem is. Um, as Christine Jorgensen also points out a lot, that um, these kind of remarks are not enough to be considered breaking the fourth wall because they usually are associating with an interface or with the feedback that the characters are giving the player um, that is... Yeah, that is a part of the game's gamenessness. So, for example, uh, like the famous example that always comes comes up here is um, characters in in WoW or or other games like that who would say suddenly that I am so overburdened, I cannot carry anything else, which is a very strange sentence when you think about it because who, it's directed towards no one because the character is standing in the middle of the somewhere um top of the mountain no one's there and it's just comment which is directed at the player because it's a feedback right this is an information that yes well maybe yeah. take some stuff out of that poor backpack so um how i approached uh breaking the fourth wall is that i made the differentiation between um, self awareness like fiction aware remarks so stuff like that which will be more of tutorial kind of stuff where um yeah so press x to jump 
character would say and the other character would not know what that means but the player does yeah and or teaching the player how to play right in their tutorials yes and and often so it can either be directed to the player or sometimes to the character but in the sense in the in a way that uh, the, the character does not have any means of understanding what what does that mean when you're saying press x or something like this and in um and breaking the fourth wall for me would be something that actually directly and explicitly references a player as a person on the other side of the screen who is actively playing. And so that can, and that can, I made a differentiation into the, the one directional and two directional. So one directional would be basically the Deadpool situation. So the character that looks in towards the screen maybe and you on the other side, you player, I, I see what you're doing, something like that. Um, and I immediately went into voices also, yes, I'm aware of that. Um, <laughs> and the two directional would be um, because sometimes the player, because of how unique this medium is, sometimes the player gets to respond to that. And of course, a uh, player always can kind of respond because they will control the character who, who is um, saying these things. Or then after a moment, they can, they can uh, walk around and explore something else. Uh, but they can, in the two-directional situation, they can react in the sense which is like framed and, and that signifies their answer to the fourfold breaking. So for example, a character says, um, please, um, you need to help me Obi-Wan Kenobi or my only hope and the player then purposefully does something that that helps um for example a, a fun example of that is the hex by I want to say Daniel Mullins um the same person who did the Pony Island and uh the entire game is very meta in the sense that there's a lot of um the entire premise of the game is about mm. char fictional characters who are defying their game creator who developer who abandoned them and at oh, the wow. very end of the game it's a very very nice um game at the very end of the game that's gonna be a spoiler you can edit it out if you don't want spoilers now keep it in <laughs> um but at the very end it turns out that yes these characters are not only aware of their uh, which already was at this point clear but they're aware of the player and they actually turn towards the screen and say that they do require the player's input to be able to break out the player has to, i think press a button or, or do something very very simple in that um, situation and at the end actually the last uh, scene is a recording of daniel mullins in front of his computer as the character as the hand reaches out and strangles him because that's the the, the how they take the revenge uh out of him so the, the the game is incredibly meta in the sense that it's that's basically everything that the meta game can do there is jumping between worlds jumping between various levels of meaning so from from lower to higher there are characters there's yeah and there's also this bridge but basically that would be this because they not they direct their plea to them to the player so they directly reference and are very aware yes you are the player and the player does something that helps with the fourfold breaking uh purposefully yes this action is well also here helping with murder but that's different <laughs> <laughs> just casually murdering the developer right? yes yes the developer yes <laughs> yes the game is actually amazing in the sense that they released within the game the developer had an assistant whom he was not nice towards, but she wanted a game to make a, a different game, which was released on Steam 
under this title and as a name of, I think, Carla or something like that, that who released that. And within that game, there was, which is like a fishing mini game, basically. And within that game, there was like a footage of that developer from the Hags walking around um, one of his games and talking that he starts to realize that the characters are out to get him. And it's just like a, like I'm saying, this actually does everything that you want. Oh, really nice. So there's also like just cross-referencing between yeah. these games. And there is hopping between worlds and games and bringing that out to Steam. And this is also an interesting, actually, issue with all the full breaking. Is it already full breaking if the game is taken out of the game and released as a game that kind of pushes the understanding of which what is fictional and what is not? Right. Um, well, in one of the, um, well, first and more important um, papers on, on Fourth Wall by um, Conway, um, the, he d- defined the wall or des- described the wall as this kind of m- less of a wall, more of a, like elastic membrane, I think was the, the phrase that expands and retracts to kind of encompass the player within or um, kind of the, the, the shifting of the wall uh, was what was important. It sounds like a very, very fluid, like the wall is something, the fourth wall is something fluid. Yes. Uh, but like also, a, hmm. I like the, actually the, the idea of a membrane is a nice metaphor because it kind of stretches um, wherever you need it. Um, but uh, yeah, well, yes, because also the, the fourfold breaks, like, you know, even the Deadpool style fourfold breaks are short. In that sense, it's like I'm trying to, like, to, to not go too much uh, off topic here. And if I do, I'll edit it out. But it also sounds like wool is not really the right term actually for it, since it mm-hmm. is something that is, if you can describe it as a membrane, or I said like fluid, fluid, I'd also like more like an elastic then. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really sound like a wool, right? Yeah, the yes, that's my, that might be actually the reason why why the problems with defining it and digital games because in theater when that was like literally the the action is confined to the scene, um, and the scene can be seen only by those who sit in front of it and kind of right so the the metaphor of the wall was 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 kind of um, easier maybe the screen a little works like that as well although it starts to be more difficult because the space behind the screen starts to be much bigger than it was within the within the theater right um and then yeah because basically also a lot of happens uh yeah let's 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 continue to um to the more uh, to the to connecting the fourth wall to intimacy. Yeah. Um, so one one of the uh, nice things that I was thinking about because of my uh, background, uh, I have a background in Japan studies, and what is very common there is to the, to distinguish between the world of the character, which is the manga or the anime world, and the world of the human. So the world of the human is then called three the three D world, three dimensional, and the uh, anime slash manga world is considered to be. Uh, the two-dimensional. It doesn't matter whether or not it's actually two-dimensional, uh, because games are not necessarily two-dimensional. Uh, but that's separation. Now, nowadays there is this um, term called two and a half-dimensional. Uh, that's the place where character and um, human meet. 
So you can, for example, think about virtual assistants uh, or um, vi um, virtual reality, where you know the characters are kind of still in their own world, but yet not really. And you two are kind of still in your own world, yet not really. So I was wondering if perhaps this idea of the fourth wall would help there. And I'm not really sure. This this is just just a thought experiment. <laughs> that's that's actually very interesting. Um... Yeah, I mean, what I see, what I want to do next after all the dissertation writing is definitely go more into VR. Um, I cannot play VR for a very long time because my eyes start to just basically give out and then I have a migraine. But as a concept, VR is, is super interesting, especially exactly in that. Um, VR and AR, actually. Uh, I know even less of ER than I know of VR right now. And but... just for the listeners, ER, oh. AR is augmented reality, VR is virtual reality. I just realized I also Thank didn't you. say it. Yes, that's actually that actually makes a lot of sense. Uh, so e AR uh, would be actually something that would be super interesting in this uh, particular context because this is like Pokemon Go games, right? So things that are bringing the fictional to the non-fictional spaces um usually through right looking at something through the phone like the pokemon go is i think the best example here yeah. um that allows to to kind of see the pokemon on your table or on your on your whatever yeah if you or, point your um camera towards it and look at your phone then you see this cute uh pokemon or character standing there as if it were there really but then if you look away from your phone you realize ah you're not yeah. there after all and i know there's been already some research done uh on how pokemon go kind of changes perception of um the surroundings and environment in the sense that you know i observed when i was playing um i come back to that uh, repeatedly and in the sense that sometimes i even now when i haven't been playing for quite some time um i walk next to places where i know that the pocky stop or pocky gym is and that i immediately envision that or you know uh, we're referring with a friend to the places next to the these three gyms or whatever like that and this is actually uh changing the way that you're thinking about things which is very interesting but um but yeah so so um that's to point the dimensional but no 2.5 dimensional wow space uh is actually that would be probably something like that and this is very interesting in the term of uh it's definitely blurring the line between the fiction extra fictional or or the player's world and the character's world kind of i i'm not actually i don't know yet where what it does with the fourth wall i think that it moves it maybe um but not necessarily yeah not not, not necessarily in the sense that it brings someone to somebody else's world but kind of creates this space between and that's actually very interesting uh like a kind of liminal space between um one uh, so it's not the fictional world because it's in my living room but it's not also extra fictional world of the player because the pokemon are here and i can see them yeah so this is also in game yeah and that, and that creates some sort of like, uh, at least I would argue, but we'll, we'll discuss this um, a little bit more. 
um, in detail, like create more potential perhaps for some a different form of intimacy uh, with at least um, uh, what I then often call fictionalia, uh, in this case, uh, fictional characters. Uh, but let's let's continue that discussion um, on the games that you had uh, chosen for today to discuss um, the fourth wall with. So uh, we have Bury Me, My Love and A Normal Lost Phone. And I think both of these games you can play on the phone. Yes, uh, not only, uh, definitely normal lost phone is on Switch and I'm going to say on PC probably as well. And Bury Me Off, I think also is not just on the phone, but they are, but actually the phone um, versions are the most interesting for uh, uh, reasons that I will get into in a moment. These are, yeah, uh, a normal lost phone is what can be called as a lost phone game, and it's sometimes referred to it as that. Uh, so it means that its premise is that a character lost the phone and the player is going through the phone to understand who this person is. And Bury My Love um, is about, uh, it positions a player as husband of a woman who is running away from Syria to Germany um, because of the war. I mean, she's a refugee. Um, and they are writing uh, on WhatsApp-like app. So basically the entirety of the experience is um, through the chat and a normal phone offers more um, apps, uh, basically like an entire mobile phone interface. So both of them, yes, can be played on other, on other media, but on a uh, phone, it's more, um, um, the, the, this familiarity is more interesting and because you're playing a phone game on the phone. Yeah, actually... the phone is also a really like personal object. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, actually, um, uh, I had a conference a few months ago about um, interfaces in general and Piotr Kubinski was talking also about these two games and one more. So we had a very similar, one of those situations when we had, you know, very similar ideas. Um, and he is actually arguing even that um, phone is basically the most intimate object now. And in that, it kind of replaces the diaries, the journals. And in Polish, there is a term, um, intimistica, which is the name for the, well, intimacy studies would be the translation, but it's exactly the, the studies of the journals and the first person narrative, autobiographical narratives like that. And he argues that that actually now should just go to the studying of the um, of the phones and of I know, because of how personal and intimate of a device it has become. Um, and that's basically what these two games are um, relying on a lot uh, in kind of different ways. Um, a normal lost phone um, is has problems with that because it and that needs to be addressed. It still still does things very interestingly. This is why I decided to talk about it. Um, it's problematic because of a uh, um, fact that um, the protagonist, the person who lost the phone, um, is Sam, is a eighteen year old um, transgender woman who's running away from home, uh, who ran away from home because of how abusive this home was. And she threw the phone away to cut all the ties with her family. And uh, as, as the player goes through the phone to decipher the identity of, um, of Sam, the player makes, um, infringes on her privacy a lot because of that. Um, and there is a moment in which actually both these games uh, have moments um, in which 
that line between the players, the outsider and the characters uh, is very, um, is challenged when the photographies and the selfies come in, in question. Uh, in case of Sam, um, to progress the plot, the player has to hack into her transgender friendly forum to obtain a photograph of her and as or this is her first photo where she's presenting as a woman and send it to a person with whom she was talking on a chat and to whom she said that she would send it but she did not send it so basically the player is put in the situation of um of a stalker and a voyeur and abuser because it's outing the i mean she, yeah. she already yes basically it's using the the image of a transgender woman um so but what is interesting is that by using the game which has very familiar interface and a and it allows this look in the first person look into the character it kind of at first decreases the distance between the player and the and the character maybe in a in a more probably in um um in order to Maybe let's say educate, right? Because this shows the what the transgender person goes through uh, in the abusive transphobic environment, and then it dramatically decreases that distance by by doing that by placing the player kind of in this in this role of a villain, really, even because of the of the abuser of the person who is forced to because the player doesn't have a choice, the yeah. player has to has to do it, um, which is interesting because I was as shocked and uncomfortable I am with this idea now that I am you know writing about that and, and trying to decipher that from all possible angles I started to think that maybe I, I don't know if that was purposeful because from what I, I have a suspicion that the studio might have not thought that through that well and that might have not been you know done on purpose especially that it's not addressed in a way it's not discussed in the game in any way uh, but it is interesting because of of the manipulation of distance between the getting too close to a character and and pushing the player, but you're still outside, but you're still even even let's say like the, the villain, uh, which kind of ties with uh, what Anna Antropy was talking about when doing her um, autobi autobiographical um, game about trans experience dysphoria, and she has this quote uh, that. She was very angry with people um, who would say that they played the game and now they know how it is. What, what, what is it like yeah. to go through that experience? And she said that by playing the five-minute game based on my life, you cannot pat yourself on the back uh, for understanding what a trans experience is like. And that was also it's also used, uh, you know, in a discussion of um, why empathy games is not the best term when used to describe the games that are representing um, queer and and trans experiences. This is that this is not, yeah. First of all, not a good word, um, but also, so so this comes in a if the, if the game is um, this is not a game made by transgender people. I think I don't know. Maybe somebody was on on the team, but I kind of doubt it because of that. Um, this has the touch of the game that was not consulted with uh, <laughs> with trans communities, um, but. Um, but in a way, now that I started to think about it, and that might be one of those, you know, overanalyzing for the sake of, of, of analysis. But it is interesting because by creating the distance, it kind of um, avoids that 
Yes, definitely. I now lift, you know, in your shoes and I understand everything because it was, no, 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 you are still on the outside. You're not the good person here. You are, you are the stalker. You're the voyeur. You're the stranger. You're, you don't know this person. You just had a glimpse into that because we're showing that to you to show you how this is. Yeah. Uh, And I somehow managed to get like a better reading of that out of it. And I don't know even if this is (laughs) the right reading, but uh, yeah. I mean, there is there such a thing as a right reading? Well, yeah, of course, of course. That's <laughs> um, true, yes. But the one thing that I was mentioning, uh, was thinking about, and as you mentioned it um, a couple of times, you talk about the uh, character as a person, right? So I, as a player, am the villain because I am uh, doing something to a, um, a queer person uh, that I shouldn't do. That if this was the real world and I were to do this uh, to you, Agatha, with your phone, this would you know, create some tension between the two. <laughs> it would, yes. yes it yeah. But here we are dealing with, um, well, on the one hand, a very real person, a player. And, yeah. and, and as you mentioned, you felt like a little bit uncomfortable she was play- as you were playing yeah. this. But the other person is not a real person. It's a fictional character. Yes. But on the other hand, um, when the characters represented are... Re- represent- when the character is representing a minority uh, experience and of experiences of people who are, you know, historically oppressed the most, or because Sam is also black or brown woman on top of that. So that's just like a, you know, um, that is actually just, that's important, right? Representation matters. And it does matter uh, what is being presented and how this, uh, yeah, this, this character is being in being created, especially when it is in, um, accordance with so many negative portrayals or insensitive portrayals. Um, but yeah, the, uh, absolutely, definitely. And what these games are doing, both of these, uh, and actually for me, burying my love even more, uh, is, is create a sense that this person on the other side um, is, is real. And also this is doing that because um, it's just making the, the experience of learning about this person so similar to learning just about a... a real life person that I met online, for example, right? Especially now that learning about somebody by reading, you know, text messages and, and emails that have been exchanged. Um, th- this is this is how, you know, m- many friendships are, are built right now. So by bringing that back to this medium and that familiar interface and the familiarity of, of that is actually uh, making it even uh, more difficult, yeah, to, do, to, to keep remembering that this is not a person. Um, yeah that uh so when we are talking about a fourth wall then um can we even talk about a fourth wall here because i'm i'm very interested in this in betweenness of a fictional and not right like i i've always find it very interesting how personal we take the fictional uh, especially when it comes to characters uh, as my uh topic since we we treat them as person like and you now give a very good claim like when we are dealing with minorities and the representations of minorities, we should actually be aware of what we're doing here, uh, especially because people might then start thinking, well, I know what an, uh, a minority person or a person of a certain minority went through. And in all fairness, usually you don't. It's a representation. It doesn't reflect reality, um, partially, right? yeah. right? but it isn't reality. Because, you know, majority of the characters, the trans characters in games are from fantasy games or science fiction games, or that, that would be the major, majority of them. And only uh, tell me why that came out last year, which has a trans masculine protagonist, Tyler. So that's, um, and it's the first time. It's the first, so 
mainstream game that has a trans masculine or trans character as a main character and a positive one as well uh, but yeah but so you know situation like this where it is so rare to have a character in the real life setting um no, it's not fantasy so this is even more um you're more prone to, to to be thinking than this is yes this is this is how it must be for everyone this is life and yeah and uh, yeah for fall um yeah so the the thing is here that um yeah that the player that there is kind of no for fall in a sense right like you said because the player it's never well. It's not addressed as you are the player, and this is a game. Apart, I think maybe from like a first instruction that shows on the screen. But this is this is the the feedback. The this is the the tutorial part, um, which is also very minimal. Uh, there's I think one sentence at the beginning that you found the phone and and you know investigate, and apart from that, everything else has to be found just by exploring. Um, because of that, there is no um, acknowledgement of a player to be a player because the game pretends that this is not a game, that this is actual phone that the, you, the player, but you found somewhere on the street. Uh, so it kind of pushes itself into the world of the player rather than even pull them um, to, the, to the fiction, it pull, pushes itself out of it being like yes i'm on your phone this is this is the phone you found the phone yeah oh that reminds me of a couple of other games that i that i've played and those were like dating simulators um i think i mentioned it at the talk where you invited me to uh, mystic messenger Mm-hmm. I really hated that game. I'm so <laughs> amazed with the premise. I love this. Pre- this, this game is, is the researchers we haven't. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I played it. Um, this so this is a game where uh, you as a player you um, suddenly come into a chat room and there are several other persons and you start chatting with them and then the, it happens. Uh, it happens that there's a mystery. It's originally a Korean uh, dating simulator and then of course because it's a dating simulator you start dating one of these characters, but only through messages um the fa- reason that i hated it is because you have to answer within a certain amount of time two to four hours about that and otherwise at least at some point then the game will recognize that you are um, still a player and you're not playing according to how they want um so then you're game over but because i'm the type of person who does not <laughs> reply within those hours not even to my very good friends i'm so sorry people <laughs> yeah i, I got game over quite a lot <laughs> see that's the, because this is well this is brutal yes as a as a game mechanic let's not let's not pretend that it's not but this is um, so. This is more similar to Burn My Love, uh, which, um, like I said, this is the um, uh, uh, Victor um, Navarro Remezal is calling that first-person refugee games um, because um, yes. Yeah, so so the player is now embodying somebody. So uh, uh, I don't know if controlling is a good thing. Is is res- playing as Majid, who's a husband of Noor. And nowhere is a person who is um, um, trying to, to, you know, make her way to Germany. And um, the entirety of the game is happening in on chat or messenger or something like this. I, I don't know if it has a name. Um, very much 
WhatsApp based because it's based on a, on a true story um, that was described by a journalist in an article as yes as a refugee through the WhatsApp messages. So this is the, the, that was that was the inspiration, um, and. Uh, well, playing on the, again, and I don't. I played it only on the phone, so I only know how that works. But it has those two settings: one that allows you to play through the entire story in one sitting, so you you answer and no more answers, and that you go as as long as as, as you know one of the endings is reached. Uh, the game also has very um, minimal interface um, and uh, does not inform the player of the statistics. And it very much feels like there is just one story to play through, but I think there's like 19 endings and 30 something possible outcomes because there are hidden statistics like the relationship between them, the items that she has, how much money she has, and all of this stuff actually matters uh, because it might block some options or, or you know. Um, and, uh, and there's the other more interesting um, option of no answers when she can which means that there are um, sometimes, you know, you exchange a few messages and she says, okay, so I am at the border. I'm trying to, to get through or I have to get try catch that bus because to get somewhere. And, and then you get the message that no one is busy and she at some point writes to you when she can. And that can be in like a few hours. So the, the I think that the whatever, 10-minute playthrough or 15-minute playthrough can stretch actually for, for several days. It does not do what the Mystic Messenger does. So if you don't answer immediately, it, there are no repercussions. Uh, so you can wait for a week and then answer, and then it starts again. Um, for me, it was extremely interesting because I am using a, a smart band, smartwatch, one of the Samsung ones. Um, and it immediately started to inform me about the messages the same way that it informs me of messages that I get on Messenger, on WhatsApp, and so on. So um, although the message was differing a little bit and it had a little icon of the, of the game and it was saying no one wants your impact or uh, input or something like this, I think no one wants your input um, or is expecting your input, um, that definitely blurred the line between the fictional character and the friend on my chat, Messenger, whatever. And I have been in a situations when I might have been in a meeting on Skype, Zoom, Teams, whatever, um, and I might have been answering these messages because I had the sense of urgency of uh, she is somewhere and she is in danger. Um, so that is that is actually extremely interesting because of, again, in the terms of wall and what it does with the wall, is that it pushes. The, the wall again further towards the player, but uh, when I'm I'm using the um, uh, I'm, when describing the, the the difference between the fictional world and extra fictional world, first of all, these are the two terms that I'm using. But also um, there is a non-diegetic uh, level, which would be the interfaces and all of the messages that are visible to the player. So kind of technical information that are visible to the player, but not visible to the character. Okay, so what would be the extra fictional world? An extra sure. fictional would be ours. So human okay. outside of the game. Yeah. Um, the fictional sometimes is referred to as also diegetic, but 
there are problems with the phrasing, yeah. so I'm using fictional, um, non-diegetic, and extra-fictional. So we have three layers going yes. on here. Yes. Our worlds, their worlds, and the interface. Easily. And the interface, yeah. basically, yes. And the interface that is not part of the fictional world, because again, in meta games, this is sometimes the part that, you know, that, uh, um, again, to use Deadpool, because Deadpool is very, very useful for these <laughs> yeah. discussions. I think in one of the either in one of his own games or in one of those um, Battle of Royale or something where fighting games, he has a attack where he grabs his life bar and he smashes the opponent with it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Which is, this is the moment when the non-diegetic element, so the life bar that was supposed to be seen only by the player is suddenly uh, brought down to the fictional level. And I'm bringing that up because uh, basically of what this game does is that it has the the interface, it, it operates fully in the interface of the fictional interface of the messenger uh, in which Majid and Nora are writing. Um, it has a non-diagetic interface where a player can set, yeah, so the, the speed, the size of the letters and, and so on. So so this is the the interface that they don't see, but um, but is the where the player can you know, mess with the settings a bit. Um, and there's also the interface of the phone, which is outside of the game, should be outside of the game. And suddenly, game messages pop up there, which I'm imagining is what Mystic uh, Messenger is doing as well, right? Because the messages probably are popping up in the phone. Um, answer, 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 answer of what, what is happening, where are you? Yeah, and, and so yeah exactly. If you don't answer on time, the game first gives you like a couple of tries where the uh, characters are like, hey, why are you not answering? And you're like, I'm on the toilets. Give me a break. <laughs> I'm at work. I don't know about you, but I, I'm in a meeting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, you can't say that, do that. <laughs> yeah, right? No, that's uh, that's very interesting. Uh, but yeah, so so the what what is definitely happening here is that it... Yeah, I'm not actually sure if it brings the phone. I, it brings itself to the phone, so it again p- pushes itself onto the higher um, level of meaning to the to the player's world. Um, and it's interesting because, in a way, this is creating so much more intimate experience, in my opinion, with the characters than a normal lost phone. Uh, but um, but the player is not playing themselves. The player is playing. Majid. So the character who already has a name, again, has you, you don't have any influence over how he looks, how he behaves, well, a little bit the, the right out of the three dialogue options. Um, but it's not influencing that much um, who he is, what he's going through, and so on. Uh, while in the normal Lost film, the player is, is themselves, and this is that they're playing as themselves yeah. in a way. So can we... um, can we then say that if, we, if I'm going to the topic of how do we create intimacy here, right? Because that's actually where we already are. That because we're dealing with a phone, an already like super, super duper intimate object, and we're uh, playing games, well, we know that these are games. We're dealing with fictional characters, uh, although they have a very interesting connection to the real world or an actual connection to the real world. Uh, we see these messages pop up or we are interacting with the game as if we are interacting with someone else on the other side who in this case isn't real but represents as if they are real and they're popping up like all these messages are popping up on our phone as if you know they they are like one of our friends messages 
And that is like how these games create this form of intimacy because you start like really caring a lot about these characters. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the use of phone here is brilliant, actually. That's that's my that's my professional opinion. It takes away that yeah, the suspension of disbelief that has to happen. Then if I'm playing on a PlayStation, um, that me pressing the trigger button actually is doing something, right? And sometimes it has nothing to do with uh, with how that would feel in the in this activity would feel. Uh, of course, games are doing what they can to to make these functions and, and activities feel as. Um, realistic as possible uh but but with a phone that's basically this this part is is um uh this is not an issue anymore um basically uh, all you have to do is answer the messages in exactly the same setting in exactly the same position um that really um ties with uh, spatiality and temporality of the of of uh of intimacy i feel because it can be played as you know, of course, mobile phones uh, already are more, um, and mobile games are already more intimate in the sense of um, they are in your personal space, so you can play them on or handheld as well, right? But but phone uh, more of them. Uh, you can play that on your bed. You can play that just before you're going to sleep. You can the, rather than you have to go to your computer, sit down, uh, or or to your console. Um, Late in the bathroom while you're in the toilet. So I could have actually answered these questions. That is exactly that is completely not a justification of why you did not answer that poor, poor person that you're trying to romance. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, so basically, uh, and this is exactly that. I was, um, you know, somewhere and I suddenly see on the, and on the watch. So this is on already uh, taking that one step further into the, extra fictional into into the world of the player into my personal space because this now is like literally on my skin um that is you know i, I feel the vibration on my skin and that is just one more level of of closeness to me right because now they're saying that um that yeah the messages basically are coming closer and closer and uh um yeah and then i got the ending when Noah died and they did the worst thing that they could do to me. So there is a voice recording that she sends to uh, more once they in a camp are taking her away. And I have not touched this game since then because I have, <laughs> I just can't. And I'm so, I thought it was very stressful because also I didn't know that that could happen. When I was playing it for the first time, I actually actively thought this is a very linear experience. And that I'm just following because I, I knew that it was based on the experiences of a specific person. And I thought that I will get to Germany, whatever I do. And I did not. And that also, um, but that I have to say that I am not a person who gets that um, strongly emotionally immersed in games. I don't, I don't uh, have that much of a, I will not touch this game because the emotions are still raw. And that actually got to me. Uh, both because of the surprise factor, but also because of the fact that for like a week or something, I was actively engaged into this person who was writing to me on my phone. And uh, and it was very easy to forget that uh, or ignore the fact that um, that I'm that I'm Majid, that I'm not me, that, you know, this is, although I think that I was referring to Noah as my wife to other my friends when I was describing <laughs> that. 
Um, but yeah, but to bring it back also to the argument from a normal lost phone about the photography, because I said that both both actually do that, is that there is a moment, it's less, less um, maybe striking, but uh, interesting comparison, that there's a moment when uh, North sends, because they, can, they, they are sending each other photos one, sometimes. Not always, it can be, sometimes there's an uh, ability to choose if you want to send a photo, you can never take the photo, of course, but, um, but it can be sent. And she sends him a photo of herself in a bra because she had money in the bra and she's showing so the photo taken in a public restroom and, and, and she's showing that. And I had again the sense of feeling of discomfort because, um, because this moment also reminded me or showed me that I am picking into the close relationship between, between these two people. Yeah. And that's also an interesting element that in many games when there are romanceable characters, that's the word, I think. And, and you can romance characters. And regardless of if you're playing as somebody or if you're playing as, as yourself in dating simulator sometimes, um, you're building this relationship from the beginning. So it is progressing um, because of what you did or maybe more or less with more or less of input on the player side, but it is progressing uh, and you get progressively more invested. And here you enter the relationship that, already for that is already formed. They are already married, happily married. They are very close together and there is intimacy between them. So unlike in those games, the dating simulator games, for, for example, when you progressively are constructing the relationship or witnessing the relationship um, be, become more and more intimate, here you're put into the relationship that's already intimate, already um already you know years after they've been together and you're you're picking into their lives and you're kind of i don't know borrowing their intimacy uh and that moment was for me very interesting because it it made me step back for a moment and realize that that relationship that i am building with her is not what this this game is about because the relationship is about them and I have, for example, no relationship with Majid, me personally as a player, because I, I just assume him and and then his personality picks up. And this is, of course, this is not something that is not heard of in games. Shall we continue to the yeah. last question, last yeah, topic? Absolutely. And that's more for like a broader topic, uh, which I hope to try and incorporate in the most of the most of the episodes in this in this podcast and that is um so what do you think of why should we discuss um the kind of topics of intimacy uh, with games or through games within game studies you can answer it like more broadly but why should we discuss this um well, because it's interesting, of course, but <laughs> <laughs> that's my answer to everything. Beyond interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, no, yeah. that's definitely um, interesting because it's because of how games are constructed and that, you know, um, they, they are different from other media, after all, um, a bit at least. And um, maybe less than we would like to think as game scholars, but they do enable this um, this different approach to the characters. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely pay a lot of attention to um, uh, representation of persons of um, marginalized and oppressed identities. And uh, this is also something um, that, uh, that, is, that is interesting. How, how are these characters 
um, created? How are they presented? And what does it mean for the player? Um, if if the character is just there in passing and there's no relationship, no intimacy between them, then it's just kind of what's the point for this character? And um, I'm not saying that you have to be intimate with every character that you're encountering, but also intimacy, uh, you know, is is a broad, as, as you know, is a very broad term, and it doesn't have to. Uh, it, it kind of more points towards the. I don't know the the meaningfulness of the relationship of the characters, and yeah, and I think that basically by by looking into how um, the technical side of games and their their gamelessness, how how the medium, how the affordances of the medium allow for um, exploring and and manipulating that player character distance and and that intimacy, um, is interesting both for the theoretical you know, um, research that we're doing, but also kind of talking more about that and bringing attention to that can, uh, well, help make games that are actually utilizing that purposefully. Uh, so by noticing that this is actually not just a nice gimmick that is allowing you to um, the stressing out because you have the messages that pop up whatever at your <laughs> yeah. characters is just unhappy with you. Um, uh, but by realizing that this is actually something that can be used, like in the uh, Bury My Love, that is very, very purposefully and consciously used device. And by drawing attention to that and talking about that, that can be used to creating those uh, relationships with characters um, that if not will make the empathy games because we already know that this is not a not a good word but kind of you know stir some discussion about uh, yeah marginalized identities but also well do facilitate a bit of you know compassionate reaction or or other emotions because well empathy but also pity by, by sympathy and all these emotions once felt you know kind of add to um, or, or make the discussions easier, especially on the difficult subjects. Yeah, answer the yes. question because I feel like I want very much. Looping. Oh no, no, this is a very broad question. So <laughs> this is also not an easy question. Like not at all. It's I started with a very broad question and I end with a very broad question, right? So very good methods. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Makes 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 the listeners or make the makes the experts nice and uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> How you want them? Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Creating more intimacy no, between definitely me and also leaves the the space. For for that to be continued kind of uh, um, opening because yeah, because that's a, no, I definitely think that uh, intimacies and especially in the phone, in the, in the technology, maybe not just a phone because phone isn't, I wanted to go into handhelds and something that you can carry with you, but with technology is such a uh, interesting topic that of course has been, you know, already discussed a, a bunch, but uh, um but still kind of, you know, there is a lot of that. How is that intimate or are your online relationships as worthy as or as valid as your in-person relationships? And then definitely after the uh, year, two years that we had now, um, almost two years, uh, yeah. that is even more <laughs> like, important, right? So, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, thank you for that answer. Is there anything else you'd like to add? That's also a broad question. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we covered uh, everything uh, on the well, everything <laughs> on the topic of. <laughs> we covered everything. This podcast is done. Everything <laughs> and my reason. I have nothing else to add. This no. is everything on the fourth poll. No one else we'll has published anything. It's done. Yeah. 
done. Done. Can I, can I admit that it's my dissertation? This is, I did this podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, exactly. In that case, I would like to thank you so much, Agata. Thank you. Thank you for being on the second episode. Thank you for inviting me. That was a lot of fun.